0: Out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Woo. Oh, wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stump up. It. Pop pass up the middle. Hucker's got it. Room to run. 50, 10, hit, oh. hit in, in, in! touchdown! The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It! go to the end goal! Of... Stefon Diggs makes a catch! Touchdown Buffalo! Look at this! It is over!
1: Radio 97.7. 100.1. SPN Radio. Woo! A 96.5 FM. Heard wherever you are. Oh, wherever you are doing. SPN app. Seen, heard, and everything in between. On the MightyQ Sports Talk.com, a place where you, yes, you, can watch a radio show as it happens. Uh, you know, we always open the show with Springsteen. Springsteen back on tour uh, starting in Tampa last night. Um, I would have to sell uh, several body parts and take out a fourth mortgage to go see Springsteen on tour this year. So I don't think that's going to be happening. But uh, uh, I was surprised. You know who was there, by the way? Mr. Krabs. That's right. In attendance in Tampa last night for a stop of the show. Let's go. So I'll have to ask him about the show. I I saw some leaked videos, of course, last night. But uh, I would have put as much money down on this as we put on the Sabres bet. And I would have been wrong. I would have bet everything that they would have opened with Ghosts. They did not. They opened with no surrender. Then into Ghosts, which is one of the new songs and is the perfect opener for a tour. Those that get to go see Springsteen, I salute you. I'll be watching the leaked videos on YouTube. How's everybody doing on this Thursday? Groundhog Day. Little rat saw a shadow, so six more weeks of uh, winter on the way. And, uh, yeah. uh, what, what was the uh, forecasted high for tomorrow? Like four degrees or something like that. So uh, thanks, rat. Little tawny fill there. Ned? Ryerson? Great. Six more weeks of winter, which would have been the case either way, no matter what the rat says. But but now we can blame it on the rat. There you have it. Hope you're having a terrific Groundhog Day. Otherwise, we've got uh, lots to get into today, which you can make yourself a part of at Four three seven seventy six forty four. 7644 You can have me on Twitter, BrentXMedia. Brent Axe media on twitter or as noted at qsportstalk.com a magical place where you can watch a radio show as it happens there's a live chat that you can get in you can participate through the show you can react to what we're talking about you don't have to talk about what we're talking about this is america jack i'm going to i'm going to talk about what i want well that's fine go right ahead we're not going to stop you and a cool thing is once we Enter uh, radio commercial breaks. Our friends at QSportsTalk.com do not. because can sweep the mic on, keep the camera on, and we just keep talking to you because we can't quit you. Rick Beardsley, four-time All-American, one hell of an American, is going to join us today as, hey, you hear that, kids? That's lacrosse knocking on the door. That's right. Syracuse, Vermont, Saturday at the JMA Wireless Dome, 1 o'clock, face-off. And, look, I'm going to tell you right now, okay, while I anticipate that Syracuse lacrosse is going to make some steps into recovery this year from their worst single season ever, first multi, uh, first double-digit loss, pardon me, loss season that Syracuse has experienced, 4-10. and And, look, it was rebuilding injuries, new coaching staff, just a cocktail of weird things that happened last year, right? This is a very young team, very young. That includes some of the most talented recruits in the country, a mixture with some returning veterans. And while I think they can make some steps forward here, I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to talk to Rick Beardsley about this in about 20 minutes. Do not fall out of your chair if Vermont wins this game. And there's a couple very specific reasons how they could do it. So we'll get Rick's breakdown of particularly the Syracuse defense, which has to make major strides this year. I've got a Q and a up with Dave Petromala on Syracuse.com. If you want to check that out and how he plans to uh, rebuild the Syracuse defense. And that's the guy I would pick to do it. And there he is right on the staff. So a lot to get into and you just never know with uncle Ricky beast, right? Always an adventure. So we'll talk to Rick later on. We'll certainly get into some Syracuse basketball beyond a press conference. Uh, Procedures, which we'll kind of close the book on here today in, in that front, I think. I mean, it's a discussion that continues to go on. We're going to look at some Syracuse football news and notes as some coaching moves were made official today. Uh, recruiting rankings are out, and do recruiting rankings mean the same thing that they used to? So we will check that out with a very quiet signing day passing. A signing day we anticipated being quiet, by the way, yesterday. The blind side hot takes await as usual. But... Let us start here. Let us close the book on the Bayhine press conference discussion. Now, as Jim does his radio hit with Paulie and Steve on orange nation on Thursdays and has his own radio show tonight, I would anticipate he would be asked and would respond to what's been out there this week from myself included columns and discussions about what happened at the press conference Monday and how that's kind of spawned into some bigger discussions and, You know, the branches that grow off this tree, I think, have been very interesting. But uh, certainly, you'd want to hear what Jim thinks about all this and what his response is, only fair given how much has been said about it. And this is a portion of what he said today. I would encourage you to listen to the whole thing. It is up at ESPNSyracuse.com. I always encourage you, when we kind of play these sound bites, that there's a whole interview, get the whole context of it. I can't replay the whole thing for you, and I could, but I'm not going to do that. But here's uh, what he said when asked about it today on Orange
0: Nation. And so when I got the question, I didn't even really understand it because, you know, I wasn't going to expand on it. But then I realized as he continued that uh, they didn't know that news. So I answered the question. It wasn't a hard question. It was actually a very simple question. And I certainly didn't bully anybody uh, <laughs> The, the reporter made a little face and I commented on it, but uh, I certainly didn't bully anybody. Uh, if that's what that's a fabrication to call that bullying. Um it's just that didn't happen. But I'm always more or less testy uh, when we lose. We don't lose in a row anyway too often but so it bothered me and uh, then I moved on and answered all the questions um you know I've been doing press conferences uh for 47 years I answer 98 percent of the questions asked
1: there's no question that he does answer them. he walked away from one last week so that, that falls in the two percent but he, he can answer what he wants and he doesn't have to answer what he wants it's his show and I've often said it, and we'll continue to say it, by the way, and even though this happened, that it's the best show in town. You'll learn a lot about this team and how he feels about this team and insights into this team that a lot of coaches will not give you. There's a lot of coaches that use that opportunity game by game to just get through it, to just kind of tell the media what they want to hear, spout a bunch of cliches, and get out of there. That is far from what Jim Beheim does. And as much as Jim Boeheim, uh in the how of how he answers the questions, he'll answer them right? But to hear him say he realized we didn't know what we didn't know, so clearly there was a communication breakdown there of what exactly was put out there about the status of Benny Williams. And see, that was one of my major complaints about this whole thing is, you know, the order of things and how that doesn't matter and how he would be asked about it. And we were referred to that press conference. Anybody who inquired about it, and a number of media members did because you kind of noticed that where's Benny Williams, we were told a statement would be made in the post-game press conference. So, I mean, we can hindsight this to death, but all that had to be done pre-game was just add some details. Benny Williams is not here for, he can even say, personal reasons, violation of team rules, something vague, and then if Beheim wants to expand on it, he can In that case, he didn't. So he was, according to him there, taken aback by that. So... I mean, either way, that's not good because there's a simple communication breakdown there that easily could have been avoided. He said the reporter made a face at him, so he reacted to that. And I mean, I just, are we in a high school cafeteria now? Right? He made a face at me, so I, okay. Uh, on the bullying thing, just to clarify, uh, if he's referring to what I wrote, this is exactly what I wrote in my column. Quote, while most Syracuse, quote myself, while most Syracuse fans who call out Beheim's behavior are quick to offer appreciation for what the Hall of Famer has done for the program, they're also simply fed up with this tired press conference act that borders on bullying. Borders on bullying. And it does. You know, uh, the one who's doing the bullying doesn't get to determine whether or not it is. Do I think it was in this case? I mean, he looked at a college kid and said, I don't like your attitude. Glaring at him because he made a face at him. Okay. Now, where this conversation goes, and again, the reason I'm talking about this for a third straight day is, one, Beheim reacted to it, so, you know, only fair to get his response into it, add some context to it, because we had not heard from him until that point about it. And the second thing is I continue to hear from you. Sometimes I determine what's it's, it's kind of like the joke I make with the dramatic reading of tweets that we do. That's not my decision. That's yours, right? You determine when we do the dramatic reading of tweets and boy, I could do a good one uh, for, for all this. Frankly, there's too many of them that I'd have to sort through to, to really, you know, we'd have to do four dramatic reading of tweets based on the response we got to this, to be honest with you. But It's the same thing. The response I'm getting from this from people tells me it's still on their minds. They're still finding the story. They're still reading it. It's being shared. Even in a world where things come and go so quickly, there are certain things that stick with people. And, frankly, I think there's two reasons for that. One, uh, this is not an interesting game coming up. It's Boston College. It's a team Syracuse already beat. It's a team they should beat again. Okay, I understand what I'm supposed to say now about, uh, you know, uh, cliches about sports and things of that nature, and anybody can beat anybody on any given day, and that's all true. But this is not Duke coming up Saturday. It's not even Virginia coming up where they just played on Monday in that sense, right? So I think that's part of it. The second part of it is how people are getting shared this. It's, it's, it's sticking. It's there. It's, you know, it it's incredible what what i'm seeing on my email from people that just heard about it or just read it and it's certain things stick even in a in a world where things go quickly you know i'll give you another example i'm a big fan of the show uh, the last of us on hbo that show is gaining audience it's gaining steam and more people are finding it because of what word of mouth even in this digital age when things travel so quickly and come and go so quickly. It's still good old-fashioned word of mouth that gets these things to travel. Now, what I've been struck by is not only some things we've talked about before, but how it gets into other um, branches of this, including how we do our jobs in the media, right? Student reporters, media reporters, how we question coaches, how we do these things, you know, Jim Beheim included, but in other contexts. And I was struck by this, and I I wonder if you guys agree with this. Because I think it's nonsense, but I don't know. Maybe you think this is the way it goes at these things, okay? I just want to read you quickly an email I got from a gentleman. His name is Ian Peterson, or Patterson, pardon me, Ian Patterson. Uh, He's from Peru, New York know where Peru, New York is, to be honest with you, off the top of my head. I just learned there's a Peru, New York. And uh, he writes this. Mr. X. Thank you for saying, Mr. Too old for that. I give the student reporter a pass on being young and inexperienced and not realizing the order of the question is the issue in this instance. Post-game presser after a tough, emotional, close loss to conference rival. And the first question is about a player not on the bench, question mark? I don't think so. The questions have to be about the game, period, full stop. That's when all game questions have taken their proper course. Go for it. Ask about the missing player in this case, but not until all the game questions and answers have taken their course. You, my friend, should know better. I agree with nearly everything else you wrote about the coach. Those of us who are old enough have seen enough of Coach B at this point, but I have to defend him on the order of the question issue. I just hope that these Cub reporters aren't trying to make a quick name for themselves Instead of showing respect and following proper protocol, get and stay in your lane. Ian Patterson, Peru, New York. Uh, Mr. Patterson, I would like to respond to that in this sense. Uh, Number one, that's just complete nonsense. Once a subject, in this case, the coach, has gone through their opening statement, the question's are put to the reporters, right? The questions are put to the media. They determine the order of the questions, right? There's no protocol here. There's no order. Okay, we'll take the following questions on this. Sometimes people try to determine that, but there's there's no perceived order here. As Jim noted when he was on earlier today with Orange Nation, he kind of learned through the process that we hadn't been told anything. At that moment, what we knew as the media was, and I was not at the presser, I want to be clear, but for those that were and and for those that were wondering, that were watching the presser, that all referrals to what was going on with Benny were happening in that moment. Right? We were referred to that. We weren't told why he wasn't there. So, that had to be the first question, because... If we just simply went with game questions, we might not have got the opportunity to ask. Now I'm sure it would have been asked at some point or covered at some point, given the nature of how big the story was that day. But we didn't know anything at that point. And see, what goes to the top of the list when you ask about things at a press con- any press conference really, but particularly that one, is what you don't know. Like the game, I know why they lost the game. Free throws. Mistakes at the end, right? All things that Jim would cover, covered in his monologue, and also would be asked about in some context. What we don't know goes to the top of the list. You ask about it, you move on. Like, I don't, of all the hills to die on here, I don't get why the order of questions from some people is what they've kind of taken issue with. Jim did initially, but then he found out, oh, wait a minute, they didn't know. So that changes that in, in some sense. Okay, So just to kind of put a wrap on this, it shows that people pay attention to this stuff. It shows that people care about this stuff. It shows that there is a emotional attachment. To how coaches in this particular case, Jim, but other coaches represent themselves, their schools, their organizations, their fan base. However, you want to frame it, and I'm trying to think of the right way to put this—really, just that—that that it matters, that it matters, and how you treat people matters, and respect matters, and I think people really. Here's here's where I'll compliment Beheim and this whole thing. The people that I've heard from that are defending him in the sense appreciate that that fire is still there, that competitiveness, competitiveness, pardon me, is still there. He said it in the clip we played a few minutes ago that, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty you know upset at these press conferences when we lose, and Syracuse happens to be in a stretch where they've lost a few games here, right? So there's a lot of conversations that have come from this. There's a lot of conversations – That will continue to come from this. As I said on yesterday's show, based on how this team plays going down the stretch, right? If they play themselves into a postseason tournament of sorts, if they don't, if they're going to be bordering on what happened again last year. Like, there's a lot to be be determined here with the final seven, eight games of the season, starting with Boston College on Saturday. But the game within the game became a fascinating discussion. How Jim does his thing. How the media does their thing. How... The fans are perceiving it out there, what's important to them and who they root for and how they represent them, right? So that's why this has gone on this long. That's why it's stuck with people. Clearly they care about this, about how all people involved here do their jobs and respond to it and then move on to the next thing. So we'll try to move on to the next thing. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. And the text line, or the text line, the chat at QSportsTalk.com is flowing. I almost dropped an old text line reference there. If you guys want to use the text line, you can. Go right ahead. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. I was, uh telling our friends on QSportsTalk.com. So, uh, frigid temperatures in central New York the next couple of days, so uh, make sure you stay warm, keep your pets inside, all that fun stuff. Here's a public service announcement, though, that you probably won't hear from our county executive. So, Uncle Brent will give it to you. If you have any soda, seltzer water, you know, carbonated beverages just kind of chilling in the garage, if you're like me and I like the garage cold this time of the year, Beer's colder, soda's colder, seltzer's colder. You go out in the garage, right? It's just I like that kind of winter cold beverage, as opposed to refrigerator cold, because there's a difference. Bring them inside, because the last time it got into single digits, I had bombs going off in my garage, of soda cans, seltzer cans. Boom, boom, boom. They, they got it. Got so cold that the cans froze and like the carbonation like it just they just exploded right i i i went into my garage it was a war zone there's frozen soda and seltzer everywhere on everything and i was like literally if i had to go like get a helmet to go gather up this stuff and (laughs) And pre- I, mean, I brought it in the basement and I put like a plastic tub over it and you would occasionally just Wop, whop, whop, because they were still exploding, right? I mean, those things, man, they, you don't want to be in the way of one of those things when they explode either. Let me tell you that. So all the public service announcements, you're going to hear about the cold and they're all worthy. Check on your elderly neighbors and don't leave your pets outside and all that. Yeah, that's all. Uh, that's great. Bring your soda cans in, okay? Public service announcement from Uncle Brad. Okay. I actually wanted to get into a little football here because signing day passed yesterday. We had a great conversation with Mike McAllister about that, and it was a quiet day for Syracuse. Now, look, we knew it was going to be a quiet day. This is not like some revelation here. They signed a long snapper and Tom Callahan, and I'm going to resist all the Tommy Boy jokes. A lot of people go to school seven years. Yeah, they're called doctor's. Luke, I am your father. I'll, I'll stop! I'll stop! Just stop with the Tommy Boy lines, or you will not get back to the rest of the show. How do you never been cow tipping before? Stop it! Right? You're just you're getting off track, Brett. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. I'm get somebody come in here and stop me, please. Luke, you might have to come in here and whap me in the face with a big two-by-four because it doesn't hurt here or here necessarily. It, it, it hurts right here anyway. So they signed Big Tom Callahan at long snapper and a wide receiver, 6'3 receiver, 4'4 speed out of Texas. Okay. This team means receivers will take it. So once signing day passes, even though it's the other signing day, it's not the real signing day anymore. That's in December. Recruiting rankings are out there. Cruton Rankins are out there. Bees! Bees! Your weapons are useless against them. Stop. Just stop. 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 man in a little coat. Okay. Let's go through the ACC real quick. Miami is number one they, in the ACC. They're seventh nationally. Miami killed it. Now, there's a reason I'm going to read you these numbers, because remember, recruiting rankings are affected literally by how many players you have in a class. So you're rewarded when you have more players. Okay, Miami signed 25 guys, two five-stars, 15 four-stars. Clemson, their national ranking was 11th. They signed 26 guys, one five-star. Just one five-star for Clemson, but 18 four-stars. Florida State is next. They signed 20 players. One five-star, eight four-stars. Carolina, top five, 20 uh, signees, six four-stars, 14 three-stars. So they piled up on the, the gritty three-star guys. Virginia Tech was fifth. They had 27 signees, zero five-stars, only two four-stars, but a slew of three-stars at 25 NC State was sixth in the ACC, 18 guys. They did not get any five stars, three, four stars, a bunch of three stars. Louisville was 43rd. Now, they only signed 14 players, but they had six four-stars and eight three-star players, right? So I'm not going to go through all those. I just wanted to give you the pattern here. You're typically rewarded for the number of signees you have, but then there's the exceptions to the rule. Duke. Duke who had an exceptional season last year, new coach, new attitude and Duke football even past the David Cutcliffe era is, you know, that's not a pushover game anymore. Duke signed 26 players in this class. 0 five stars, 0 four stars, 26 three stars, right? So now we're, we're Brent, I haven't heard Syracuse yet. Yeah, cuz they're last. Now, let's look at it here. Syracuse is 14th in the ACC. They are 80th overall national ranking. They had 16 signees in this class. 0-5 stars, 0-4 stars, 15-3 stars. Listen, I know we're in a transfer portal era, and I know you can find instant talent in the portal, and I know that Syracuse went and got guys like Jaden Gold who is a freshman, he's essentially a recruit, right? You have the advantage of bringing somebody in who's got the advantage of one year in college already. They're not coming in green. They're coming in with, at the very least, the understanding of what it's like to go through a college football season. And they signed a few players that fit that description. here. But you just can't tell me this is good. You can spin it all day. You can tell me, it's the transfer portal era and it's X, Y, and Z. And, look, Syracuse does have some things going for it, particularly in a couple of months when the NFL draft happens. And you're going to see, in no particular order, Matthew Bergeron and Mikel Jones and Sean Tucker drafted. Andre Schmidt, I don't know if he'll get drafted because just a lot of kickers don't get picked, but he'll end up in a camp, right? Garrett Williams is going to get drafted somewhere in those first three, four rounds. The more you see Syracuse's name on that screen, the better. Bergeron plays in the Senior Bowl this weekend. That's good. So that helps recruiting, but it doesn't help you immediately. The immediate class that's coming in, and any of these players that are in this class, like Big Tom Callahan. That guy in a little go. What's your favorite team? The Yankees? Stop. Stop it. Stop it. Anyway, this is not good. You can try all you want to sell me about the new era. This is, I mean, 16 signees, zero five stars, zero four stars, 15 three stars. Stars aren't everything. I've seen more players come to Syracuse that are the a three star designation that by the time they're done, you're like, why wasn't he a five star? And by the way, Sean Tucker would be at the top of that list, who had four running backs ahead of him. But it's still a little more difficult to find the diamonds in the rough and sell that as your path. Right, it's what you have to deal with. That's what you're selling. Syracuse is the place for the overlooked. Syracuse is the place for the underappreciated. Syracuse is the place where our, here's where you can turn this on me. Right, you're going to get on the field. You want to go to you know Notre Dame. You want to go to Miami that's signing all these five stars. You might play. Or you can come here where you know you're going to play. And by the way, uh, as this NFL draft will prove, the scouts will find you. Now, if you want to compete for a national championship and little things like that, then, yeah, Alabama's probably where you want to go. Georgia's probably where you want to go. But, man, I saw that today, and I was like, "That's, uh, that's going to hurt. Because what you have to do is you have to create a narrative to defeat that. You have to create a narrative around that that's when you start saying, eh, those recruiting rankings mean nothing. They always show the stat at the Super Bowl. Maybe somebody's already looked that up, and it's going to be one of those things we hear during Super Bowl week next week. How many five stars play in the Super Bowl? They actually break they break it down every year. How many five stars, how many four stars, how many three stars? You you. I don't want to talk out of turn here, but I, I distinctly remember the last time I saw that stat. There weren't a ton of five stars on that list. This is the Super Bowl, right? So you got that going for you if you're, if that, you know. I'm screwing up the line here at different movie lines. I got all Tommy Boy lines in my head. I got that going for me, which is nice. That's still not good, though. You still hope that people kind of brush by that. You still hope that people... Believe what you have to sell. Ah, recruiting rankings, they don't mean nothing. Let me tell you about a young man named Sean Tucker. And yeah, you should tell those stories. But it's the last time Syracuse had a five star, just one five star, just one. We just want one. Just, just just one. We'll break on that note. Stay right there. We'll come back. You're on the block, ESPN radio, QSportsTalk.com.